Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, we are back. And Garen is back and he sounds like himself this week. Getting closer. <laughs> I'm only about nine about 10% Lego Batman now. <laughs> Still have a little bit of a frog in there. So a little bit of, yeah, me too, bit. man. We both have the frogs, but we sound more human than we, for me yesterday and for you last week, we sound better than we did. Yeah. A little so, more human. That's good. Trending in the right direction. Uh, Jason Hubner taught yesterday and we really wanted to get him in here, but he's doing a leader training right now. That's two days long. So we couldn't, couldn't get him in, but we have Garen back. So um, Garen, thanks for being with us. Yeah. Good to be back. Good to be here. Not back. I mean, I was here last week. We're so since neither of us taught the message, we can actually be honest about what we thought about it now. Yeah. And so we're just going <laughs> to tear him a new one. We're just going <laughs> to critique the whole thing. No, it was very good. I, yep, it was very good. I always love this story. And then Garen, as we were chatting about it, you said, you know, the story of the centurion, um, which is where he took us in Matthew yesterday. You said this was a, a message that you, or a story that you'd always take to internationals back when you did your 20 some years of international ministry. This is a significant story yep. in that ministry. So talk about why that was and how you shared it with international students. Probably some similar things to Jason, but here we're, we're doing Bible study with internationals who do not come from a Christian background, who feel like outsiders to Christianity. And we used to always say, it's not about Christianity, it's about Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. And I could take this story and be like, this guy was a total outsider. He didn't get Judaism. They thought that was whacked, the mm -hmm. Romans. And yet he is a guy that Jesus says has great faith. And then the story ends. What I love is, is when the everybody's like, what in the world just happened because this guy is such an evil guy in their mind? And he says, people are going to come from the north and the south, the east and the west into the kingdom of God. And it's his way of saying this is for all nations. Yeah. And so that's why, yeah, we felt like it fit them really well. Not that they were, you know, invading thugs, but they understood not being an out, being an outsider yeah, to Christianity. Yeah, they know what it's like to be outside your own and, culture. Yeah, and, and then like here's Jesus. Like, Jesus is like, I don't. that's not what matters to me. What matters to me is, are you willing to put your faith in me? And so, yeah, really, I love the story. Good. Garen, uh, Jason started off yesterday talking about movies and stories. And, and we he, filled a bingo card, I think, almost with that. I almost had a... Yeah, he went to his he went to his go-to, which is Star Wars. Yeah. And then he paid homage to you with the Lord of the Rings. And then he brought it, brought it modern day with Marvel, which is great. And um, I think his point there, he was just talking about good and evil, right? And you know, we've talked about story. Story is a really interesting thing. And you have shared this with me, and it's made me I've thought about it a lot that you say that there's just certain elements in stories that connect to our hearts and the things that hit us most deeply in our modern stories are often taken from God's one true yeah, story. Right. So like talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Just that I think God wired 
when I did that series early on, like the story of God, and he, I think that story is deeply wired into us. And that's why we love stories that are about good and evil. And they're about journey and they're about a quest and they're about um, redemption is big in God's story. And here's a story of a redemption of a guy that they would have thought was irredeemable. And mm-hmm. the Jews would have totally thought that. The story of love and sacrifice, just a lot of, there's just so much of God's story that finds its way into all of our good stories. The best stories begin and end in the same place. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bible does that. In the Yeah. Things are great at the beginning and then they're at the end. Yeah. Just all those things. Like the, does the Lord of the Rings end like that? Do they end in the Shire? Yeah. Again? Back in the Shire. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So. Yeah. And the classic is uh, Dorothy starts in Kansas and in Kansas. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 All the, oh, okay, and I cool. think it was, who was, I think I, I mentioned that one of the great directors said that all the great movies and stories always start back where they began in some huh. sense. So cool. And not only that, but it, what's really interesting is that Jason was pointing out, he was trying to show us there's a really stark black and white, dark and evil here to those Jewish people. This centurion was the embodiment of evil. Yes. Totally a bad guy. Right. Yeah. And I was, uh, I'm not really a big Sylvester Stallone fan. I think most of his movies are pretty simplistic and the original Rocky was really good. But I was watching a documentary and somebody asked him what's in his heart of his stories and why, why do so many people watch his stuff? Even if, in my opinion, it's not always the greatest stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, because he thinks modern movies have gotten away from good and evil and dark and dark and light. Mm. And he said, that theme is so important. He said, people want to know who's the good guy. Maybe he's messed up and he goes on a journey and they want to know who's the bad guy and the good wins. And he said, he thinks that in every great story. And I just, that really struck me recently. Mm. And again, so that fits interesting kind of this, this theme. Are we going to go, we should go down to Sylvester, (laughs) some kind of a rabbit hole, Sylvester. We'll we'll avoid that one. (laughs) But good and evil, one of the most interesting parts of the story, like you said, is that good and evil is not clear. And that the centurion is presented, and if you know about the context, as the epitome of a bad guy in first century Israel. And uh, he turns out to be like the most holy among them, yeah. which is really neat. So I'd say it was clear to them, the Jewish people, it was clear yeah, that he was the epitome of evil. yeah. And But yeah, the way in, in the end, Jesus flips that thing on its head and he's like, mm-hmm. it's not what you think. The good guys aren't the good guys necessarily. The Jesus bad guys is always there. doing that. Yeah. He's always flipping things around. Yep. That upside down kingdom. I love that whole idea that he's, everything about him is so counterintuitive to the way we think. And he did a really good job, I think, pointing out how, how bad that guy would have been to the Jewish people. Because he was there. They were invaded. He was the occupier. Jason did a good job yeah, explaining that. I really yeah. felt like that, that he, right. he represented the empire. He represented to them. Caesar, they hated all of that. And it's hard for us to understand that because we've never been occupied. Yeah. You know? So it's hard for us to like really close our eyes and think, how would I react to this? Because it's just really foreign to us. Yeah. You know? So when that guy shows up, comes up to them on their horse, the first thing there, there's probably a huge fear of what's he going to do. Right. And huge hatred. We hate Mm. these guys. These, they're in our land. They're dogs. They're impure. Even him coming close will make us impure. Mm. I'm sure they're backing up, backing Mm -hmm. away. Um, but everybody's watching. Jesus always does whack stuff, right? What's well, he going to do with this guy? Well, so this is Matthew eight. What point in, is it in Jesus' ministry? Like, is are people fearful that Rome is going to quell this uprising already, or do you think that's part of the the fear here too? Like, oh no, they've come for Jesus. 
Yeah, I'd probably that they don't. Yeah, because the history was in the night, not that long before Jesus, Jason mentioned it, and I talked about it about two years ago. There had been the rebellion and they had crucified thousands of people in Galilee because mm-hmm. that's where the rebellion started. And it was a messianic type figure guy. And yeah. so I'm sure there was the fear mm-hmm. that Jesus, you better be careful or else the Romans are going to come get you. And that means they're going to get us. Yeah. And we're all going to be hung on a cross between, you know, Capernaum and Bethany or something, you know, we're, we're going to, beside it, we're all going to be hung up on a cross. So there was, I think there was so much emotion in this story. Yeah, there's way more going on than in these few short verses. Yeah. Just emotionally and on a human level, there's yeah. a lot happening here. And I think we know the story and to us, he's the good guy. Like we're all watching The Chosen and we kind of know who he is already and we uh-huh. can't wait to see the story, right? Uh-huh. That's why it's so hard to read these without, in, without forgetting the original lens of the Jewish people. That, yeah. Yeah, this guy was the embodiment of evil to them when he shows up. Yeah. Okay, so if we can wrap our mind around that, which Jason did a really good job setting the stage, then it launches us into this story. And Jason brought us a few good questions. The text, by the way, if we didn't say it was Matthew 8, 5 through 13. And uh, the first question that Jason posed to us was, what is God's posture when we ask for things? Um, you know, you look at the posture of, of Jesus when the centurion approaches him. And like you said, the human reaction is fear and anger and hatred yeah. and tension yeah. and distance. Yeah. And Jesus is the opposite of all that. So, yeah. And his reaction is the same as the father to us, right? Not to distance himself, yep. but ready, ready to hear us, ready to care for us. And it's exactly what Jesus displays to the centurion right here. Um, and this is maybe one of the most important parts is that the centurion approaches Jesus as an outsider. Yeah. Like we just said, for all those reasons, he is, you know, Jason said it well. He said, everywhere the centurion goes in Israel, people are watching him and they're aware of him and yeah. eyes are on him. Yep. I mean, this guy is essentially living in a foreign land. Yeah. He's not from here. Yep. Looking at him with scorn. He can see it in their eyes. Yeah. And so he feels like an outsider all the time. And so he approaches Jesus uh, as an outsider. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see how Jesus receives him. Yeah. And then Jason drew the line, which, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't think of immediately. I was so glad he mentioned it, that there are so many times our people in our service that feel like outsiders yes. that feel like this centurion, right? Because I grew up in church. And so I, I lose that a lot of the time. Like the, rem, the reminder that, uh, I need the reminder that this is a scary place for people mm-hmm. sometimes. And so especially was, in a post-Christian age, it's more than ever. It was scary for me when I first walked into a church after I became a believer, I was shaking in my boots. And that was in a culture where everybody went to church. How old were you? Uh, I was middle teens, so 15, I think, the Whoa. first time. And But I was afraid. But now people who have such an, at least that was generally a positive opinion Christian in our culture, that's not true anymore. Yeah. And in fact, I just heard recently somebody I trust a lot, a thinker said, we're not post-Christian anymore. We're now anti-Christian in our culture. Mm. So somebody shows up in church and their attitude is like, this thing's kind of whacked, but I'm oh. here because a friend mm. invited me. Or I had somebody recently tell me you started coming this summer. They said their first four or five times they were deathly afraid every time they walked Whoa. in. Whoa. Deathly afraid. What are those fears? Like of not belonging? Or yeah, just like I don't I don't belong. Or? I don't, yeah, what are these people really like? I don't know what's happening in this service. Like this is all foreign. And yeah. we don't have a lot of the tradition other places do. But yeah, and it's just like, am I really welcome here? Are these the kind of people I want to be around? Yeah. What would my friends think if they found Ooh. out I was oh, in here? Okay. One of the things I so appreciate about 12th and, you know, Al was this way and I think you are even more this way, but just really trying to think through the lens of the outsider. When we 
shape what our church looks like, yeah. how our staff interact with people, how our volunteers are trained, what comes from the stage, how do we take offering? Like, I think you do a great job of, and even the teaching, like, how do we make this understood and attractive to outsiders that are coming in? Yeah. Because that's what it's really about. Yeah. I'm thinking that all the time. I've never forgotten what it felt like. And so that always is, a is yeah. And so when Jason said that, good for him because he, I, I know some people who are in the last few months who are new and I'm sure there's some sense of like not fully feeling like they're in the community yet. Yeah. Garen, I see new people at 12th all the time. And so let's, let's not waste this moment for the listeners, for the what, 38 people that are online with us or whatever it is. <laughs> Garen, give us a manifesto. Give us something for to be aware of or how to treat new people or a challenge maybe on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Cause we don't want to be a church where people will come in and just sit in your, their seat and then leave. Right. Um, we want to be a, a place that when new people come, they feel gre- greeted and, and warm welcome and like they're one of us. So talk to our body about how to display that on a Sunday. Yeah. I think it's either I take the posture of the disciples. If we see this, if we were to see this story, they were shrinking back. They didn't like this guy. They're like, I hope Jesus doesn't start talking to him. And Jesus, who I think moves towards him and talks with him with open heart. Yeah, so it's just most of our people tend to sit in the same place. So it's just being aware. They know who kind of is in their area. Mm-hmm. And if you see somebody, you're like, I've not seen them before. Just to be willing to to go up and say hi and yeah. welcome. And I think, because, and I know for introverts, that's really hard. Or some people are like, uh, what if what if they've actually been coming for five years and they just move sections so it's, you just like, Hey, I have, you know, it's my first time to notice you. And I just want to say welcome or just say welcome, but just to realize we have home field advantage when I'm on the inside and they don't yeah and they feel way more uncomfortable than I do. And just yeah. to say hi and glad to have you yeah can make a big means a lot, means a lot. I've heard that several times from people who end up staying at 12. It's like, I came and somebody said hi to me and it meant everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, Whoa, that's all it took, huh? Yeah. So it doesn't cost us a lot. It is uncomfortable. As an introvert, I'm speaking and saying it is uncomfortable, but man, shouldn't this be the place that uh, shows the warmth and the welcome of Jesus more than any other place in Emporia? Yeah. So let's work hard. Let's work hard to do that. Not everybody. You don't have to greet everybody, but pick one person you don't yeah. know. Greet them. Welcome and, them. And I think to, to be of the realization, there are, like you said, we are, we have a lot of people that are showing up and actually a lot of them are unchurched that have come for various reasons. I could tell various stories. Um, but the, the, there are people who are showing up who don't know Jesus, who are curious, who are wanting to explore. So we, we need to be a welcoming community, be aware of that and know that that may be that person that's showing up for the first time, two rows in front of us, they may not even know Jesus and how they feel that morning could determine if they come back or not. True. So true. Okay. Next thing Jason asked us to think about was what should our attitude be as we approach God. We look at the attitude of the centurion and man, once again, this guy was in charge. He was powerful. He wore a weapon. I mean, he was on a horse. He had every reason to come in with, with power. And he came in with humility and weakness as if he was undeserving and, um, and approached Jesus in that manner. Yeah. And And also great confidence because he was willing to approach somebody that he thought culturally probably hated him. Right. So he had this mixture of he had this perfect mixture of humility and of confidence. 
So talk about that, that tension in our hearts to uh, Jesus. Talk about that, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk about, talk about that, Garen. Yeah. Jesus is actually here today on the third seat. He's going <laughs> to jump in. <laughs> He's not using his mic too much. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Talk about that in our own hearts, like that mixture between humility and confidence as we approach God. Yeah. I think it's, don't you know, cause he's in Capernaum and Jason kind of made a point of this. That was a, that, that area where that highway was coming in, that was a crossroads actually. And there was a lot of activity of Jesus up there. I think he had probably seen, or he had at least heard of, and probably had seen a lot of miracles. Kind of like in The Chosen, you have that dude hanging around who mm-hmm. I think is going to be the centurion mm-hmm. who's seeing stuff. And what that generated in him is like, I don't care who this guy is. I can tell some of the religious people hate him by the way they're talking to him or interacting. But this guy, there's something about him, about the way he loves people and these miracles that I have developed trust that I'm going to walk up to a Jew because they mm-hmm. didn't do that, right? Yeah. They knew how hated they were. They knew that Jews thought they were unclean dogs. They saw Jews as dogs too. Mm-hmm. So there was he had some sense of confidence. This guy can do this. But he had this great humility that he shows by like, you no, I don't want you in my home. You don't, I don't deserve that. Mm. And I know Tim Keller talks a lot about that. And following Jesus, there's this great confidence that I think I come before him and it's on his grace and his love and this humility that maybe I don't deserve to be there, but I'm there because of him, not because of me. Yeah. And he just talks about this tension of that the whole Christian life is that way. And that's what Hebrews talks about, right? That we can approach uh-huh. his throne in confidence. And I think you hit on the head. It's not a confidence in myself or my accomplishment, yep. but it's it's just total confidence in what Jesus has done. Yeah, and in who he is. And, yeah. and the more my life is centered on him, the more natural that's going to be for me. Because like you said, the more we walk, the bigger the cross is in our eyes. Yes. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I can come to Jesus today because I've been kind of a bad guy. But right. the more you know him, and the cross is growing, you're like, but you know what? That's not the kind of guy he is. Right. He takes anybody wherever you are, just yeah. as I am. And I'm confident of that. So I'll go before him. And once again, we make it about ourselves. Oh, I wasn't good today. Yes. Or I messed up last night. Or I'm thinking these thoughts. It is so not about us. Yeah. As I, so I taught on Genesis 15. And as I've, I've kind of continued my reading, I'm just reading more about the life of Abram and Abraham. And ugh, I just find myself frustrated with like, what a junky guy he was and how much God favors him. And I'm just like, what are you trying to show me, God? Like it stirred up anger in me. And as I sit with it longer and longer, I come to this same conclusion. It is not about Abraham and who he is. It is all about God's grace on him and how much more is that true for us? Yeah. So yeah, as we approach the throne in confidence, it's not a confidence that's based on us. It's totally on Jesus. Yeah. And that, that kind of even deals with the faith that, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, it was Labor Day two Labor Days ago that I kind of had a, a free Sunday to preach and I went through the whole life of Abraham and it all came back to why in Romans does God say he was a man who embodied faith? When you look at his life story, it's like, okay, at times he did, but a lot of his life was a lack of faith. So God, how is it you call him a man of faith? And I just think God sees, he, he just doesn't see our junk. He sees our willingness at times, you know, I have faith, but I have unfaith. And he just looks at it and he's like, you know, the fact that you come to me, we can get this into a minute, but it's not about our faith. It's about who we're coming to. It's our object. And Abraham had put his trust in the object, not very well, mm-hmm. but he still had. And the God is like, that's a man of faith. He trusts me. 
Darren, I'm going to quit showing you the show notes because you're, <laughs> you're jumping out of turn here. Sorry, dude. No, those are good things. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to ask you the question. Are you, how, how many times a week are you and Dallas Jenkins texting ideas about Chosen? Because it, it sounds like you have some good ideas here for where the show's yeah, going. The problem is, is he, he won't take anything that I offer. Uh, that's the problem. What's funny so, is that we've legitimately- I'm pretty low on his list. <laughs> we've legitimately messaged him on Instagram because we had, what was it? We had a great idea. It for, was the whole thing with, with Isaac and the, the Jesus- oh, the sacrifice. Yeah, the sacrifice. Oh, man. And we messaged Dallas Jingus. He hasn't read it yet, but he's, he'll get to it. Yeah. It's eventually. only been, it's only been about eight months. <laughs> so, okay. Moving on here. Next thing that Jason confronted us with was what are the limits of God's power? The centurion had figured something out. Like you said, he had seen miracles. He had heard of miracles. He, he had figured out that this Jewish mystical guy, he's not sure of who Jesus is, but he know he has some kind of power. Um, so how big is that power? And then Jason led us into this idea that, God's power is only limited by his will. Yeah. It's only what he wants to do. And that's the, that's the lid on it. And so the question becomes, okay, God, if you are your own limit, then why don't you rescue me where I'm at? Which is- mm-hmm. Why didn't you answer this particular prayer? Mm-hmm. You failed me on that. Which is one of the eternal questions of following Jesus yeah. that we struggle with. I see Jesus healing people all the time, but it seems like he kind of stopped all of a sudden in my life and he doesn't really do it. Which is, that's why I loved when he said, here's my answer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean- because none of us knows, but yeah. he did a good job of saying that God knows the bigger story and picture than we do. And just trust that someday I even loved his image of like your, your retirement accounts. Cause yeah, you don't check it very often. You just, it's in there and it's, you assume it's working. You check it often enough to make sure it is, but um, I'm not day in, day out. I'm not, I can't be in there with that. People that do go crazy. And that God, he knows what he's doing. And at at the end of the day, when it comes time to retire, so to speak, that I'll understand a lot more about it. And I'll be like, I understand why you did that. You had a bigger picture. It's like with Ruth. It's not just about me. God is doing a much larger story than my my story. And I have to trust that. And that if he does something in my life, it's going to impact other lives. Or if he doesn't do something, it'll have impact that I don't know. And I've got to trust he knows what he's doing. Is there a quick 10 to 20 second answer we can give? Maybe a, a non-believing coworker is going through a hard time and they come up to us and they say, I know you go to church, Garen. Um, just so you know, I've been praying and God hasn't done this. So what's up? I mean, those things happen to us, or at least we, we go through our mind and think about what would we say in those situations? So equip us a little bit. Is there something short to say that people can take and put in their tool belt? I think it's kind of what, Jason intimated, which is, I think we all admit that I am not the creator and it's a good thing. And my knowledge is so limited. I don't even understand myself, my knowledge. You know, if I want to study a thing, I can read a little bit on the internet, but I'm still so unknowledgeable about that topic that I have to trust that the creator knows way more than I do. Mm. He knows the beginning from the end. I can't even see tomorrow. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I think is going to happen tomorrow doesn't happen tomorrow. I misinterpret. When in the future I look back, I totally misinterpreted we my thought, day. We, we thought it was going to snow at seven o'clock tonight. Yeah. It started and snowing it started, at nine a.m. Yes, and we and KVOA said it's not. Don't worry, it's not going to accumulate. And as they're saying that, it's accumulating. <laughs> I'm on the road and it's like this is accumulating fast. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! You parked under the breezeway today. So I don't want to hear about accumulation from oh, you. Well, that was just briefly. I had to run in the South building. Oh, okay. But I, I'm, I'm the, back the out. And, the, and I were laughing because we're like, oh, head pastor status. Yeah. We're parked under the breezeway. No, I just had to run some in the South building. So. That's funny. 
but yeah, and no, nothing on KVOE because nobody, the whole point is, is as humans, we can't tell what's happening, right? Yeah, we right. don't know. And so if there is a God, and I'm going to assume there is, that I think we would all agree he would, he knows more if he's the creator. Yes. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows way more than we do. And so can I trust that there's something else going on larger than my life and even in my life that mm-hmm. he's doing something in my life? That's why I love the story of Ruth. He was doing things in Naomi's life. She had no clue. She didn't know till the end of the story. And he was doing things that affected the whole creation through Messiah, through her, that she had no clue about. And so it's just that humility of like, okay, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't like it. But can I trust that there's somebody? Al used to say all the time at funerals, I may not, I don't have to know the plan. I just have to know that there is a plan. And it's that that. idea that like, okay, I don't get it, but I trust that. He is a good God who promises to redeem and renew all things. And yeah, so. I like that. I don't have to know the plan. I just have to know there is a plan. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. I'm going to put that in my pocket. That's a good one. So, okay. Final question that uh, Jason asked of us is how do we get great faith? Because this centurion, you know, he has great faith. Jesus says, there's not faith like this in all of Israel, like you have. Um, so how do we get there? And I loved this answer. I'd never thought about this. He said, great faith comes from focus on an object of our faith, not looking inward at how much faith we have, which right. is what you were alluding to about four minutes ago. Um, I love that because it's so easy to try and take your pulse, so to speak, with your right. faith. It's like, okay, how much faith do I have today? And when we put all of our focus on that, it feels like my faith shrinks and it's never as much as it should be. Yeah. Because I'm putting my faith on my faith. Yeah. That's why that summer oh, when we were going wow. to the New Testament, I did that story in Acts where they're praying for Peter to be set free. He gets set free, shows up at the door, knocks. They won't let him in. And the slave says, hey, Peter's out there. And they go, Peter can't be out there. He's in jail. And so they had no faith that God would answer their prayer, but he answered their prayer. And so what my whole thing from that is, my faith that is in my faith, it's in the object. What matters is the object of my faith. Hmm. And so even if I have little faith, but it's in the great object, then then that's what matters, yeah. not the amount of faith I've got. What's So it's not about the object, or sorry, it's not about the amount of faith, it's about the object of my faith. Yeah, what I am I putting that. it in? And so when it says he has great faith, did that even mean he had super huge faith, or did that mean more he just had this, he had seen Jesus without the lens of Judaism and the things they were interpreting him through, and he's like, this guy is doing amazing things with people, and he seems to be a guy that accepts anybody. And I think he can do it for me. And it wasn't even that he had just maybe giant faith, but he, but the object, he really had a sense of the object better than most of the Jews did. Yeah. Is, is when Jesus says that, is he talking about the size of his faith? Because great. What does that really mean? It'd be interesting to look at that word. Yeah. Is he talking about the size of his faith or the direction of his faith? Yes. Right. Maybe it's not so much about how big your faith is, but you're having faith in the right thing. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to translate that. I have yeah. no clue, but it gets you thinking about that. And the stuff. only other person in the gospels that it says that of is that Canaanite woman. And remember she shows up, she's like, my daughter's demon possessed and I'd like you to heal her because I know you can. And he starts the debate with her to show the, the his disciples that she really truly gets it and all mm-hmm. that. And she's like, I'm going to keep doing this with you. I'm going to take your argument with you because... I have seen enough of you. I know you can do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hang on like a like a bulldog, you know? I'm not going to mm-hmm. let you go because I trust who you are. And yeah, so I think it's cool that the only two people that talks about great faith in the Gospels are both Gentiles and not Jewish people. Right. So. Man, what a weird coincidence that happens. 
It's weird how that works out. Yeah, totally. Especially in the Gospel of Matthew, because Matthew's written to Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. But Matthew, almost more than any gospel, is trying to say, this is about the nations. It's not yeah. just about the Jews, yeah. right? Man, so, studying the Bible is so cool, man. I know, it is. When you learn all the little things that are in there and the way that the authors wrote with two specific purposes that are like underneath just what we read on service level. When, you're, when you start picking those things up, it becomes the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like Matthew so much. Cause he's not only trying to convince Jewish people that he is your Messiah, but he's also trying to say, and he's a Messiah for everybody in all nations, not yeah. just for you. Yeah. And wow. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool indeed. Okay. Mark nine twenty four is how he ended it. He says, you know, it's that verse where man says, I, I believe help my unbelief. And, uh, I think a lot of us are right there. Oh yeah, totally. Help my unbelief. Um, okay, to wrap it up, I just thought this story was full of of juxtaposition, right? You've got this centurion who's in power, um, but he recognizes true power, right? Which was really neat. Uh, you talk about a, a man of faith who's the only non-Jew in the story and he's the one with the real faith. And you talk about belonging, this guy that doesn't belong anywhere. And Jesus says, you belong in the kingdom. Yep. I just think... Once again, these things that when you really meditate on them and think on them, the Holy Spirit shows you just how deep this thing goes. And those are just, and there's more, I'm sure. That's just what hit me yesterday morning during first service, but so cool. So read your Bible and don't don't just read the narrative and say, well, I read it, like sit with it because yeah. these things come to the surface. Yep. And ask the question as best as possible. This was written, this was not written How's it go? Not to me, but for me? Is that how it is? You've said it Not before. Not to me, but for me. So it was yeah. written to people in the first century. And I have to read it through first century eyes asking 21st, but try to get back into that context and do with what he did and just think about it. Okay, this guy is an oppressor. He's part of an invading army. Mm-hmm. What would that feel like? Mm-hmm. How did he feel in that culture? How did they feel about him? And if you, like you said, if you'll just sit with a little bit, ask some questions, things will start popping out and coming more alive. So... I think that what Jason was really getting at yesterday was the focus on the outsider. And so I think we should issue a little, a little challenge to listeners here that really we begin to think about the outsider on Sunday morning, that we don't come through the doors. And I'm not saying people do this, but it's my default. So I wonder if anyone else is like this and automatically make church about me. Yeah. And about my desires and my preferences and my seat and all this stuff. But what if we started to come to church and and look for the outsider a little bit and say, who's just one person that I can maybe bring into the fold a little bit more today? I would love it if 12th, and 12th is a place like that. I hear those success stories all the time. But if we became even more like that. Yep. Right? Yep. So we've thrown down the gauntlet in 2024. All right. Garen, you're starting... New series next week. In two Sundays. In two Sundays. This Sunday, we're actually going to, we're going to focus our attention on our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world because I think they're so easily forgotten by us. There's so much in the news, Ukraine and Israel. We're thinking about that stuff all the time. And yet during over Christmas weekend, almost 200 Nigerians were killed in their Mm -hmm. churches. And we don't hear these stories and we forget. And so I really feel like I want to, every year, I want to come back to, to the persecuted church. So love it. Okay. Thank you for taking us there, Garen. All right. So that's next week. And then we'll jump into Trinity the week after that. And the Trinity. Which is pretty simple. And honestly, you'll probably wrap that up uh, in one week. <laughs> yeah. Easy. It might not even take a whole week. 
Yeah. It might just be 10 minutes and I think we're done. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Pop in a veggie tails yeah. and that'll be that. Yep. Yeah. We're going to start, what is he like five or seven week journey for? Training? Yeah. It's like five weeks, I think. Okay. Six, six okay. weeks. Cool. All right. Great guys. Thanks for being with us. Uh, think about the outsider in all context. My heart is challenged to do that through the story. So pray that you guys will meet us there. Thanks to Jason for a great message. So let's go out this weekend. Think about the outsider and how to bring him into the fold. See you guys.